Ah, uh, yes. This is John Morris, host of In the Club, powered by Club Colors. I am so excited today to talk to you about our sponsor for this episode, SalesCast. SalesCast is the operating system for the B2B podcasting community of sales, marketing, and revenue professionals. They have an inclusive online community, courses, tutorials, events, guest matching, and even world-class managed production services. Their mission is to connect 100 million sellers to the power of story. Thanks again, SalesCast. Enjoy the show. the club podcast powered by club colors gee i'm excited today we got claudine saxon on this is going to be an absolute riot jeff ball miracle ceo is also joining us by the way if you don't know who club colors is gee i've been telling people they got to check us out right you got to check us out at www.clubcolors.com anything you could possibly think of that you want to put a logo on i mean anything claudine if you want to put it on uh, apparel a hard good Anything that you want to represent your brand with through beautiful promotional products and apparel, Club Colors has the ability to do that for you. But today, it's all about Claudine Saxon. Claudine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Now, Claudine is with Culture Index. Culture Index is, we're going to get into this, but it's a fantastic organization. We happen to partner with Culture Index. And uh, Claudine is our consultant. We want to talk a little bit about kind of the differentiator as to how you separate yourself. There's a lot of folks out there that have personality-type surveys and these types of different things, but obviously your organization does a lot more than that, and you've been instrumental in the success of Club Colors. In fact, part of the reason that I'm here, G's here, is from Claudine. Thank you for that. Claudine, again, thanks for joining us today. So my biggest uh, question, if I was going to ask you any question, is how in the world... Uh, does the algorithm of culture index work? Just kind of give us an understanding as to how I can answer like 25 questions. And then I get this report back and I go home and I talk to my wife and she says, oh my gosh, it's like they've known you for 50 years. Is it possible maybe? What is culture index? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, to answer your first question, that's our secret sauce. We can't give that up. Oh, come on. Right. We do pride ourselves on being 90% accurate. And uh, therefore, we're able to help our clients because of that. What? Okay, bad. What? That was bad. That was um, no, you're good. So, what to answer to your question is to <laughs> <laughs> so answer your question. Um, that is our secret sauce. We can't give that up. However, we do pride ourselves on being ninety percent accurate with our data. That's pretty amazing. It is. So, uh, if you were going to explain in layman's terms, sure. we've got a bunch of listeners out here. By the way, if you're in HR, you're a hiring manager. This has been instrumental because it's not only about identifying the right people, but it's also once the people are in, how to manage them. Right. Um, and that's where I really got the most value out of it, is like how to understand a personality so that you can get the most out of them and make them thrive within the culture, within their role. So um, like explain a little bit of, uh, as to how that works. Sure. Well, first off, um, we HR is instrumental in implementing our program. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but our who we call on are business owners and leaders because we're looking to help our clients grow their business, their top, their bottom line and scale. And it starts with their people. And so that is who our audience is at first. And um, a lot of times we do get lumped into being a personality test, like you said, 
But Culture Index, we touch every single aspect of the talent model. It definitely starts with the hiring and selection piece. And that's a lot of what our competitors start with. You know, there's a lot of instruments, like you said, out there, and they do they do just that. But in our world, that's only 10 to 15% of what we do. You know, the bulk of what we do is that management piece. I mean, we're touching every single aspect of that talent model. So we can get these people, you know, on the bus, so to speak, round pegs, round holes, so to speak. But if we do not understand as managers how to lead these people, how to manage, motivate, and communicate with these people, then what are we doing? Absolutely. Getting the right people on the bus and then losing them because you're not communicating with them effectively. You're not inspiring them. You're not finding ways to get that extra five, 10% out of them where, where they feel good about it. I mean, yep. there's a lot of managers out there, right? Try and push that extra five to 10%, but the person rejects it and doesn't feel good about it. So what are you really doing? You so know, that's, it might, it might be a really helpful thing for anybody listening to kind of get an understanding of how club colors uses the tool, how we got introduced to you, why you're here with us today. Um, and look, I think it's a funny story how you and I connected. Um, I'll let you start it okay. because you were the one who started it. All right. So Club Colors was one of my first clients six years ago. That's amazing. And I did not have a CEO network. I thought I did. And I started calling on these folks and I, I couldn't get them to pick up my phone. I thought they were going to, but they didn't. And so I knew that I was going to have to make somebody else's phone ring in order for my phone to ring. So at night... I created a, a list of prospects and I had a certain criteria and, and a lot. And for the most part, they had to be in my territory. They had to be in our niche, number of employees, and they had to be hiring for sales. And so when I first reached out to those prospects and I got that CEO on the phone, you know, I would say, I noticed you're hiring for salespeople. And that tells me one of two things. You're having a hard time finding those impact players and difference makers or you're growing. And either way, I can help with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually, that's, that's what I led in with a long time ago. And t- to relate that to club colors, club colors was on my list. I noticed they were hiring salespeople, of course, like I just said, and I would notate in the spreadsheet. It was a, just an Excel document. I would just notate every time I called, say called 1105, no answer, no message left. And then a couple hours later, I'd call again. So you're working your time stacks. I was totally, I I had a goal to call 65 business owners a day. Sometimes I would do star 67 so they wouldn't know that I was calling. So I'd come across odd. Um, But I, one time I called Club Colors. It wasn't the first time, but but he picked up. Which I don't do a lot. Well, he actually was picking up the phone to make a call out. Yes. That, that's the important thing <laughs> yeah. to remember here. By the way, if you're out there in sales and you're going to prospect, you're going to call Club Colors and you're going to get Jeff on the phone, you better have a great opening or it will be a very difficult call for you. Trust me. He's going to critique you and let you know that the call wasn't very good. Well, yeah. and, and a lot of times <laughs> I would ask for, for permission because I am in an interruption. I'm, an inter- I'm interrupting your day. And so I agree. You have to, have, you have to get their attention in immediately. And again, I, I, I'd say, Jeff, this is Claudine Saxon from Culture Index. I realize you're extremely busy. But would you give me one to two minutes to tell you why I'm calling? And now that doesn't work with every CEO. Now, all right. So hold on. But yeah. this is so there's a, a slight synchronicity to this call because <laughs> um, we're obviously highly culture oriented organization. Yeah. We're struggling to hire at the time. We're really struggling to hire 
um, salespeople who will be successful. So we got, we're hiring lots of people because yeah. everybody wants to work, but um, at least back then they did. Um, but we're get, we're getting just turnover. It's just not, not the kind of success rate that we're going. So she says, I'm with culture index. We help people hire and retain talent. I don't remember exactly the pitch, but there was, there, it was a pretty good elevator pitch. I said, well, uh, I just got out of a board meeting and I had just got out of a board meeting where that's one of the top topics of the, you know, board level concern. So you have my attention, go ahead with your one to two minute. In the club is powered by club colors. Club colors is the premium marketing solution for all branded apparel and promotional products utilized to drive your brand awareness and brand success from concept to doorstep. Club Colors can source over 9 million different product solutions, decorate your logo, create custom kitting solutions, manage all logistics, and build, manage, and curate your company online store. The full, comprehensive, all-in-one solution for your brand. Our brand promise is right solution, right place, right time. Allow Club Colors to create an inspiring brand experience for you and your team. Check us out at www.clubcolors.com. So just to just to add to this a little bit, Jeff, talk a little bit just before Claudia and you get into kind of how that conversation played out. What was our turnover in sales prior to working with Gosh, I feel Claudine like I and Culture Index? Say that publicly. Okay, it was, it was bad. It was. However, high. we I will give you this statistic. It, yeah, anybody can do the math on this. We hired 150 salespeople in a year to fill a 40 person sales team. That'll tell you something. That's <laughs> not good. Not good. It's yes. Not good at all. Um, so we were, we needed help. We needed something yep. to, we needed something that would give us a higher success rate than what we were having. And, and Club Colors, I've said it a lot. Club Colors is a great place to work. It is not an easy place to work. Um, and it's not for everybody. So um, I getting the right people in the door is the hardest thing. And if you have no idea what you're doing. Um, so in any case, I will. And, so from my perspective, the next part of this is. Um, and literally this call, this entire call couldn't have lasted five minutes. Um, well, I asked for one to two minutes, yeah, so I'm going yeah. to stay within. Yeah. That so she, so she says, I said, all right, so you've got my interest. What do you want to do next? She said, I'd like to send you a survey and call you next week. I said, all right, send me the survey. End of discussion. Um, so you, so I, take I the sent survey. the survey and then we scheduled another call, 15 minutes. And I don't necessarily remember what what we talked about that call. But did, I did do you buy remember. Right I remember so, so very I, precisely okay. what happened. So I'll tell you when the day of the workshop when we were talking. Oh yeah. That's, so why don't you tell? All right. So you call and you time. start to and you're telling me about my survey. Oh yeah, I know. And I you're say. telling me all of this wonderful things about me. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, Claudine, let me stop you for a second. I said, assume that I already feel good about myself. Tell me where I suck. And if you're right, you'll have my attention. I remember now. This is really strange because I got to tell you, like the first time I had met with you after the interview process, and then I had to go through the training as a hiring manager to understand how to look at it, to recruit and hire and identify the right people. And then when they come in to be able to manage them effectively. Mm -hmm. But when I went through the training with you and we kind of walked through my uh, my survey and personality type and, you know, what we're and It's really detailed as to like how you're going to thrive, what, uh, 
what will what will affect you negatively if you don't get enough of it like if you don't get enough validation based on my personality type like how you could react poorly to that and there's all these different breakdowns of that but it was really interesting to me that you literally could pinpoint as you said it's accurate within 90 percent but you know normally when you're saying it to somebody else that yeah. is that person they're gonna be like no that's not me and well, i was like oh my gosh this is crazy well claudine's response is kind of a lesson to all salespeople because and you got it. So here's the story. Tell me where I suck. And if you're right, you'll have my attention. Lenny says, okay, well, for starters, you're kind of an asshole. Boom. And I go, which now, oh. which now thinking back as a new strategic advisor, answer yeah. I, ever. but I just had to, you know, you pay me to be candid with you. Yeah, all of my we always pay have. me to be candid and I can't sugarcoat it because then I'm not helping you. Well, and so and I, that just kind of came out, but is yeah. it true? It, it was 100% true. And by the <laughs> way, as you got into specifics, I said, all right, so fine. We all we both laughed. That's hilarious. Um, and then I said, tell me more. Why, why am I an asshole? How am I? Tell me about that. And you went through and identified two or three, maybe four things that literally I'd struggled with my whole career that held me back, that as I wanted to go through – um, and get the next promotion to have, you know, a, a discussion with the CEO that I worked for at the time. I struggled with some of these things that you were able to point out to me. And I'm like, well, that's pretty good. All right. So um, that conversation didn't last more than five minutes either. I said, all right, that's cool. What's your next step? You said, I'd like to do the same thing for 20 more people in your business, come in and talk to you about it. Yep. And I'm like, Don, let's Top go. Top performers, bottom performers, don't tell me who, who they are. I'll tell you. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, you know what we're going to do? In the description, right? In the in the description of the podcast what, and also on YouTube, what we're going to do is we're going to put the link to the survey. Yeah. So you can jump on there and take the survey, and then we'll be able to kind of break break it down. It'd be great to engage that'll with go, our that'll audience. That'll go to Claudine. and it won't go to us. You know, yeah, I would yeah. love to do that. <laughs> we, always say, we already say when we're introducing the survey, when we meet people out, we say, Two questions, seven minutes, yep. huge impact. Yeah, And that's a lot of times, it's enough to get somebody's it's attention. It's two questions, seven minutes, huge impact. So the next step after that initial call with you and I was sending the survey out to 20 people, yeah. identifying who those folks are, just to validate the accuracy of the instrument and then my interpretation of mm -hmm. your people that I don't know. Right. That's the value. In and we did I'm not written. talk about any of those people. They, Absolutely. Were, they were names yeah. on a piece of paper. They were, no, they were nothing to you. Which was interesting. So after that call, um, I believe is when you decided to move forward. Well, it, it was how many calls before you, they move forward? I, I, I want I want to get people to understand the persistence. Well, so it wasn't the calls that we had to move forward. It was on, on the day one of the workshop. Um, or was it or was it the morning of day two in the workshop? You know, Jeff and his co CEO Chris. Chris actually said he did not sleep that night. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the, yeah, at the, end of the first day, I mean, they come to the workshop. I come to the workshop with surveys for everybody in the organization, just so we can take, we can have a full picture and looking under the complete hood of the organization. Mm -hmm. And, and is it, do we have the team where we have to get to our, our goals? And I knew when I started seeing the surveys, I was like, you know, they hired a lot of people that they liked and, and that's not bad. Mm -hmm. You know, we, 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 we buy from people who we like yep. um, and, and they're 
there's absolutely a need to have social ability in a sales position. But there's another trait that we measure called autonomy. And when you're looking for somebody that's going to hunt or aggressively pursue new business, that A trait, that high autonomy needs to be there. And, and, it, and it wasn't. And, and from a club color standpoint, it's a really interesting thing because there are that high A allows you to go be the persistent hunter, but it also allows you to have the advisor mentality, which is to be able to tell a client who wants to the do truth. something, hey, it's probably not the best idea. If, you're, if you've not got the autonomy, the confidence, the, the internal compass, um, it's a very difficult conversation to tell somebody that what they want to buy from you isn't necessarily the best idea based on what your understanding is of that and, and to walk through that process. So we need that for both reasons. We need people who can say, hey, are you ready to go? Let's, let's make the move. And also to, be, to bring that, that self-confident uh, advisement component to the conversation. And I will also say that we don't need everybody to have that high autonomy. Not everybody. We don't need an organization with all high A's. Because mm. if we did, when we have a trait we call the, the autonomy trait on the high side, you know, there is some pluses and some minuses. The pluses is I will ask for the opportunity. Yeah. Are we doing business? Are we moving forward? They don't mind conflict. However, if we have them everywhere, there's a little bit of self with that trait as well. You might not have follow through as well. They're kind of there's, an asshole. Well, that's another, that's there's another trait that we do measure. Yeah. <laughs> We're there, just isolating that age yeah. rate. But yeah, there are other traits that uh, we look at as far as follow through. We can we can we have the big picture, but can we put it on a paper? So I think the key here is that this is a consulting effort, Absolutely. right? And so I think the point that you just made is great in that you wanted to understand what the end goal is for the organization, which is increasing sales, growing the organization, or perhaps replacing some of the team to get the right people in the boss, ultimately, again, to grow the organization. Uh, for us, John, and it's really important to understand this because people hear about something like this and they immediately think they're going to survey everybody and then they're going to cut all the people who didn't fit. Mm -hmm. and, they're, and it's not it at all. No. We had some really amazing people who were in the wrong seat. I want them on the bus. They're great committed, or, or, hardcore Or people. not being spoken with properly and, or managed and, properly. And by the way, we had this, and I, I won't obviously mention any names, but we had a person who was in management. The sur had, When Claudine read the survey and she's like, I'm like, oh gosh, do you have cameras here? Like yeah. this is like, this is absolutely, we're struggling with this problem every day with this <laughs> human being. Um, and she's like, I don't think this person wants to be in management. Mm -hmm. You've got them in management. You've got them presenting. And they're they're a back office person. And I think the idea in their mind, maybe from how they grew they up, or they there, and they yeah. want mm -hmm. to they, they saw themselves there, but when you're in it sometimes, you realize you're in over your head and it's not yeah. quite worth it. I mean, because our our program is really about hiring people and managing people in a way they want to be managed. I mean, we all have a different set of traits and that's okay. And that's what makes all of us unique, but it's using those traits that we measure and putting them in a position yeah, well, in order will, to get somebody where themselves in order to get somebody where they want to be, you have to understand where they are and who they are and what is, what the is, is, is that a Bill Clinton thing? Right. <laughs> what the is, is, but you have to understand how to meet them at their level yeah. and have to, how to meet them at their personality type. Otherwise the, the want of where they want to get to is just a pipe dream. It's just well, a, well, for, and, it's a goal for I, somebody like myself. I'm sorry, yeah, but no. for somebody like myself, um, who has a particular way of approaching a problem, I have a natural tendency to think everyone should approach a problem that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But this process helped me understand the value of people who approach it very differently and are doing jobs I would absolutely suck at mm -hmm. because I don't have the mindset that is required for that job. And so that you need these people with these different, and still, and so that taught me to be less impatient with the traits in that person that allow them to be good at the job that I'm terrible at, yeah. but would otherwise frustrate me because they're not looking at the world the way that I'm looking at the world. Well, and I think as leaders, we talk about, you know, culture index, you know, moving on from that talent model, like we're hiring the right people, round pegs, round holes, but that management piece is so critical because we as leaders, you know, I think the, the, the most, one of the most important attributes of a leader is awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of managers, it's so cliche to say this, but a lot of managers don't understand who their audience is. Yeah. Well, self-awareness and awareness of their audience, right? Exactly. And a lot of times managers, they lead people in a way that they want to be led. Mm -hmm. And so in my workshops, a lot of times I'll pick two people that are completely opposite trait wise, which is fine. And say, you know, if so-and-so was leading these two people the same way, he or she would fail with one of them. Yes. Because yep. again, as cliche as it is, People do not leave companies. They leave their managers. Guilty of that. And I got to tell you, there was several times where I had to go back and look at kind of the manual and pull up one of the staff members that maybe I wasn't getting the results from or I just couldn't quite connect with them. And I would read through it and go, okay, well, great. No wonder I'm putting them on stage when they absolutely are repulsed by being put on stage. So instead, they have to be a behind the scenes one-on-one. -on -one, and all of a sudden now, that corrective action happens. So- Again, it's it's really imperative to understand how somebody embraces management, not just to manage in the style that you like, but to understand how they're going to embrace it or not embrace it. And again, it doesn't even have to be with just a manager and their direct reports. It's who do you work closely yes, with? Yeah. So you think before you go communicate or go have a conversation with somebody, you say, okay, how do I, John Morris, need to modify myself? in order to be effective for that individual. What yeah. do they need from me? Because in my workshops, I, I tell these managers, you know, you have an important job. You know, a lot of these managers could could be handling millions and millions of dollar in, dollars in human capital. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty, you think yeah. about that. That's yeah. a responsibility. Yeah. And Big so that time. onus on those that team and the turnover, we can't eliminate turnover 100%. I don't think anybody can, you know, but because there's always going to be that money thing, right? Well, but, we don't even want to necessarily. Exactly. People are people are in positions for some period of time, some yep. season. It's not that every job is supposed to last until you retire. Just a reminder: this episode is sponsored by Salescast. Thank you, Salescast. Hey, by the way, uh, Claudine, reading through your bio, twenty-five years in consulting, but you've been with Culture Index for six years. What did you do prior to that? Yeah, good question. So I come from a family-owned and operated skilled nursing facility in Oswego, Illinois. Oh, and I actually got my job as the director of business development by completing that same survey that here. everybody. Yep, that everybody completes. And so I was in sales my whole career, loved it, and was starting to kind of get my feet kind of wet a little bit. Um, my my kids, had, I have twins that are 18 years old now, um, getting ready to go off to school next year. And they were going to school full-time in, in first grade. So I'm like, I, I'm going to get myself out there a little bit again. And I had met somebody and uh, one of my kids' uh, 
preschool classes. And she was telling me what her husband did for a living. And I said, you know what? My husband runs a, a, a 350 person organization and we are not meeting our budget numbers. And so I said, I think your husband needs to meet my husband. And then long story short, my husband comes home one night and says, I met with this consultant that you wanted me to meet. And he says, I need to hire you. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know how to talk to physicians. Yeah. I don't know how to call on discharge planners. Like, wait. And he said to my husband, you know, you can start with the right clay. As long as somebody has the right clay yeah. and you can train them. The product knowledge, you can, can you can figure out the product knowledge, right? You but can having, figure it out. But having the, the innate, like, ingredients to be a, a driver director of sales or business development person. There's some, there's some qualities that you have to have there, yeah. which is the high a, right. Yep. And also um, what they call the B, the B is kind of like your, like your, how outgoing you are, social are you friendly, ability. social ability, those types of things. Yep. So tip a spear, you got to be able to, to get doors open. Right. Yeah. I mean, not everybody needs a, a high B we call it high B extrovert. Um, but in sales, a high B is very persuasive. Shocking. I have a high B if you, you guys didn't know. You do. It's collaborative. <laughs> it can build consensus. Yeah. So. Claudine, um, for every great argument, there's also um, a pretty decent counter argument. Uh, I think that Culture Index has made a, a great impact on Club Colors and, and made an argument for why it does make sense. What would be the, the counter argument for why it doesn't or why there are other factors that we should pay attention to? And how should managers and leaders utilize that to uh, find success on their teams? So your question is, is, is where might culture index not be effective? Yes, correct. Or what are some, uh, some parallels from somebody's upbringing that may not be seen on sure. that? Sure. Yeah. Um, great pattern. question. So first off, you know, in the traits that we're measuring, we're measuring seven critical work related traits. And we believe that those traits that we're measuring are hardwired by the time somebody's 13 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and we do believe that it is a combination uh, of nature versus nurture. But like I said, we believe that those traits are pretty hardwired in an early age. Okay. Now we don't measure anything clinical. Um, and, and, and that's the reason why I always tell my clients, we are not a silver bullet. You should never, ever be hiring somebody by just looking at their survey. Yeah. Because you can, you can absolutely interview, come up with interview questions to dig some things out that might not make sense. Mm. But, but, but culture index is that objective piece mm. in that process. And the way that I see it, I think from our experiences, and we have a couple of examples, but only a couple of examples of people who are very outside the pattern we would normally look mm. for. But they were already here. They were already committed. They were already operating. Um, and so... It is when you're looking for a pattern, what you're understanding is the characteristics of that pattern. Um, but there are positive characteristics in virtually every pattern. And if that person is of the character to apply them, then you can get highly successful people with natural traits that are somewhat different than what, the than what you're looking for in the survey, all right? But you're looking for something in the survey. That doesn't mean you're always right. We looked for a pattern in the survey for our project coordinators for years and found that we were looking for the wrong pattern, mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't the fault of Culture Index that we were identifying the wrong people. It's that we had identified the wrong set of traits to look for. Or the traits that, that were most successful in that role, right. therefore helping us to identify the traits that we would be yep. looking for right. in a person, right? Yep. Yeah. And so that, that, I find that really interesting. The other thing is this, and this is probably the most important thing. 
I think, and uh, you tell me if you disagree, culture index doesn't measure character. And if it does not measure core values and beliefs. It does not. If you're hiring character, and we've done this, we've hired people, we've, sales is the quintessential place to make this mistake. You hire somebody with a great sales pattern, and if they have no ethics, you're going to have a problem. And you've just hurt your brand, right? Well, well, and you can hire somebody else with with the traits that line up with what we want them to do. But if they have a side gig or they want to really be doing something else, it doesn't matter what the pattern is because they're not they're they're not going to want to do that job, right? So then that why that's why we're not a silver bullet, and we do not take the place of a resume and interviewing somebody. Absolutely. Okay, Um, so I have a question. Sure. Are resumes relevant in 2022? Well, I know that. Let's let's have some let's have some controversy here. Let's yeah. see what does I want to see the answer here. Yeah. So there is resumes by nature. Overall, the majority of them is going to be subjective because we are going to put. It's kind of like Facebook. Mm-hmm. We're going to put on Facebook. Everyone's what on we vacation want. all the time. Well, and our <laughs> lives are our lives are rosy, and yeah. and you can post a picture on Facebook of your family, and you have like all the color coordinated outfits of your mm-hmm. family, but nobody. Nobody knows the arguing that went by to yeah. get them to wear the black shirt or exactly. the chambray shirt. Meanwhile, you haven't talked to your husband for a week and a half. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so regarding a resume, again, we're gonna put our best put our mm-hmm. best foot forward. Okay. So there's little red flags that I look at in, in resumes when I we don't have to go into those, but there is a little bit of objectivity there. But the most part, the resume is going to be subjective. What I like to use with the survey and the resume is to validate that out or validate (laughs) things that don't make sense Mm. based on the objective piece, which is culture index. Mm -hmm. That's how I use it. Have my clients use it. So you transition now from uh, being in this family owned uh, type of consulting, right? In in a medical field, right? You transition in what, what sparked you? I know that you had said that you took the survey, right? So that, that obviously had got you uh, aware of it, right? But what sparked you to Go out on it on your own kind of a thing, right? Because that's the way the culture index is set up, right? You're like a licensee and you manage your territory. But in essence, you're getting support from corporate, but you are the show with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So because I saw the success of what culture index brought to our family business, I mean, we literally, in, in 90 days, our budget, we went to where we were completely full. And we had a line at the door. And I'm not saying that I saved our family business by any means, because I believe that every single person is in marketing wherever they are in the organization. We are all I in couldn't it agree more. Okay. So it was me just more evangelizing for what we had to offer people should they ever need us. And mm-hmm. and basically presenting the fact that there is no other place for you to go, but with our organization. And yeah. that, that's kind of how, yeah. I, how I sold that all the time. Like, I hope Love you it. never need me, but if you do then you say the tillers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we actually took a, we had a conscious effort that we decided to create a succession plan. And we decided to sell that business um, after five years after I was there. So once we sold that business, the consultant with Culture Index uh, came to me and said, you have the traits or the dots that line up with being successful in doing what I do. And because I saw the results in front of my face, I jumped in with both feet. Now, that road that first year was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. 
Um, but I, you, I mean, you had to build, you had to build it up, oh, build out the business. Nothing. Started I, out I started with nothing, nothing. You know, nothing. A, f- a phone book and, and an understanding of what you did. Right. Yep. My husband tells me that, he, you know, he, he took a year off to consciously support me so I could focus on culture index hundred percent. But he actually tells me that he remembers there were times when he could tell that somebody hung up on me and I would just make that call again. And he could tell that somebody hung up to me mid-sentence and I would just make that call again. Mm-hmm. And I work with new licensees at Culture Index now um, who have to cold call, who don't have that CEO network. And they always want to focus on the workshop. Yeah. You know, we spend a day and a half with leaders um, to interpret our, our, our the data and mobilize the data and use it for their teams. And they always want to, these new licensees always want to say, well, talk to me about the workshop. I'm like, no, 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 no. Your job is to get as many people completing the survey mm-hmm. as you can and then walking these folks through their survey. Safety and, in numbers. Yeah. You know, make this data into dollars. Find their pain. What is that costing you? So we focus on that before we even get to the workshop. What's the secret well, to call? I, the the thing ahead. is this. I think that's, you just hit on something that was really important to us. By the time we were talking about our team, and I could see the insight that we could get on our team. The biggest expense we have in the business is all of these people we're paying to do jobs they may or may not be wired to do. Mm-hmm. And your price tag suddenly was virtually zero compared with well, the problem that we were approaching, right? And so it's like, if you start out with, here's a workshop I'm going to sell. Start out with the pain. Start out with identifying the problem. What what is the problem that we're going to solve? And the other thing you said there, and we're we're struggling with it internally right now again. And we, it comes and goes. It's it's a sales team. Even the best football teams sometimes have to go back and work on blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those phone calls, the ability to just make you, you know if you're if you're not if you're not getting the leads, it's because you haven't been making. The calls yeah. for three weeks, four weeks, a month, two months, whatever. Your problem isn't you don't have leads. It's that you haven't, you didn't do the work up front to generate the inbound activity. You know, I think that's the hardest thing for people to recognize too, is that like cold calling is not um, an immediate gratification thing, mm-hmm. right? There's a few that are immediate gratification. Maybe somebody gives you enough time and you're like able my to golf get your- shots. <laughs> Those are not every immediate so gratification. <laughs> every so often yeah. I hit one. Yeah, but, but it's not immediate gratification. Like you, you have to, you have to make enough that you might get one or two that really come through and you connect with them. But it's about building up enough of a momentum that you've got now follow-ups. You've got the ability to do a demo. You've got the ability to send links. You've got the ability now to connect and create content um, that speaks to those people. And then maybe they catch it on your profile and then they come back to you because maybe you didn't get it across in the cold call, right? right? So it's building a community of people that will pay attention and listen and then finding the ones that are the right ICP that match but that, what it is you're trying to do. that requires that stamina and that persistence yes. to go, the best salespeople I've ever met all have the ability to go knock on a door that's been slammed in their face. Mm-hmm. And shake it off. That, and and go, and when that door open goes, listen, I was walking away, but I can't let you make this mistake. Mm-hmm. Right? I just, like, and to go back and just take the risk of that beating again, right? Because it's, rejection is rejection. I think we all feel rejection. If you're a salesperson and you get rejected, you feel oh, it you personally. Feel it. Well, and, and a lot Hard of times, not to. you know, when people hang up on me and, and I'm like, I didn't take it personally. I just thought, you know, 
everybody needs culture index. We might not be for everybody mm-hmm. because we're looking to always work with people that want to grow their business. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't want to grow your business, then. Well, you're also looking to work with people that want to partner. Absolutely. And partner partner means that it's you, they use the whole suite of services. Mm-hmm. They use the advisement. They call you not when they're just looking to make a hire, but when they want to connect and get a little bit of advisement and some knowledge as to how to work something. Um, and we've had several times where we've called you up and we're like, we can't get this person going. What are we missing? Right, right. right. But to go back on the cost of, of, I never lead with how much we cost, but the cost, when you think about, you know, I have a solution What's for- What's the cost of one bad hire? Exactly. And there's so many studies out there. They say there's studies out there that I can't quote where, but customer facing employees can be up to eight times somebody's salary. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about turnover in, in, in the beginning of our workshop and, you know, it can be in the billions of dollars, you know, it could be in the millions. I mean, I had a client not that long ago. I said, gosh, I said, you have a million dollar problem and I have a, a, an X amount of solution for that. But, and a lot of times, like you said, we get clients who say you don't charge enough or you're not charging enough. I remember one time you that told me. not my call. <laughs> I, I no, remember, Jeff did not say that. So I remember one time you told me early in my, because I gave club colors a ton of attention because they were oh, my yeah. first, one yeah, of my yeah, first yeah, yeah, five sure. clients. And so I remember when I was in his office uh, a long years ago now. Yeah, you're going to burn out. You can't give this much attention to everybody who. Yeah, you, and, and you that's something I've had to learn. Like this culture index is an in house program. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am I am going to always support you and 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 be there for you. But this has to be owned number one at the top and, and a priority, right? So yeah. that's why it's important to train those managers. So we're always, we're speaking that language. It is like learning another language. But did you tell, did you tell how many times I called you though? Uh, that was you, well, that was you. you, you oh yeah. So we were one. talking, I'm, I'm pivoting back now. Okay. To back when, pivot. Yeah. So, so back pivoting. So we were in the workshop and I think it was day two, the next morning and, okay. and Chris, his Jeff's co-CEO admitted that he didn't sleep well that night. It was a tough night. And and I, and I think it was you or Chris leaned in the table at the workshop and you said, so basically what you're telling me is I hired, I just hired a bunch of wrong people. Mm-hmm. And I said, you did. And I said, maybe if you would have picked up the phone a little bit sooner, maybe mm-hmm. you would could have avoided those, some of those I'm not hires. the only asshole on that call. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then Jeff leans in again. He goes, how many times did you call me? And I said, I called you 29 times. You answered on the 29th time I called. I kid you not. Cause I took, I took, mm-hmm. I kept, I kept yeah, notes. you keep your tick sheet, right? I did. <laughs> Back in the day, just keeping the tick sheet. 29. By the way, this, this is my, my advice to anyone listening to that. I mean, I think, um, you always start where you are right now and thinking about whatever mistakes we made or what I don't answer the phone for a reason. There's a million people out there who want to waste my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't know the one that's not going to waste your time. Right. So, um, but by the way, once we got on the phone, it was just bop, bop, bop. Right. So, um, but, but we started, we said, okay, so we've got a hole. What's the first rule of holes? Stop digging. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So now today we start doing something different. Um, and we accepted this isn't going to be a problem we're going to solve in a day. Um, it's not going to be a problem we're going to solve in a month, right? We're going to, but we're going to be committed to doing the right things for as long as it takes to solve the problem. And I will, you know, and I don't think this is applicable strictly to something like culture index, but 
um, really to anything. I mean, I think the first year it got worse. Mm -hmm. It was way worse because now we're now you're aware. We're, we're, and we're <laughs> trying to fix this. We've got now all the problems shy. that we have. You're like, have. now you don't want to hire anybody. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and we don't really know what we're looking for. So we're trying, and we stayed committed to this path. Um, I think it was a year before we really, and he said, listen, we know what we were doing wasn't working. All right, so let's not go back and just do that again. Let's stay on this path, and we're going to stay on it until we've proven that it won't work. And we knew it would work because... Again, that that process we went through mm -hmm. in the conference room was so compelling, um, but it it's tough. It's really tough, and I know people I've recommended you to uh, who called me afterwards, and and we're and we're in the same position Chris was, which is, holy crap, we've hired a lot of the wrong people, mm -hmm. and or we've got them in a lot of the wrong positions, and. Um, this is going to be a lot of work. This is going to be a lot of work. And if this is the other thing, if somebody's not willing to do the work to address the problem, there's no point in getting the tool. Exactly. And I do want to point out, though, we start we we were talking about all these people that were in the wrong seats. You know, I think that you guys and I work with my clients on a regular basis. Is that you know, if somebody might be in the wrong seat where might there be a better seat within that same organization? Because now we don't know how long it could take to replace that person. Right. Yeah. And so, so that development piece and, you know, using culture index to develop our high potentials is key. Yeah. And I talk to leaders all the time. I'm like, if it is your goal to move up in the organization and you, you're somebody that doesn't like to delegate, you'll never move up because you're going to wrap yourselves around every aspect of your job and not develop somebody to take your spot. Yes. Yep. So a friend of mine who's um, a tax consultant actually going to be a guest on the podcast. Um, he had looked at our site and just was, you know, want to get a little bit more understanding of Club mm -hmm. Colors, what we're about. He said, you know, everything I needed to know about your culture was in the fact on the career page, you have a role that says generalist, like just like apply, just apply for a role because we'll figure out based on your resume, your attributes, your skill sets, well, Where's a good seat for you on the bus? And because we're a growing organization, we're going to find something. I'm going to call uh, somebody out right now because we just did it. Um, Karen is a new person on our admin side. And we interviewed her. We pulled the culture index. We interviewed her and we said, the, the role we interviewed you for isn't the right role for you, but we're going to hire you because we want you on the bus. And then we're going to build a position around your particular skill set because we need people like you to build this business. And that's that's not something we do all the time, but in this particular case, I think it was um, a really interesting and good move for us. And um, the ability to do that with a certain amount of confidence and looking at the pattern and going, okay, this person isn't just shining me on in an interview. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, people, there's a lot of people who interview great and so many of them just have the high B. It's all they bring. So they walk into a room and they're like all shining glitter. And you think they're so say, amazing. Like, how was, could this be? I love this person. Yeah, but right? that's just the biggest part of their personality, yeah. right? And and then you go, okay, so they must, everything else must be good. Yeah, as good. As, right. Everything else must be good. So it's, and then you find out that they have absolutely no attention to they, detail. They haven't finished it, a project yeah. in 10 years. Right. Those right. Kind of <laughs> but so, they're super friendly. Right. Big that, ideas can't get anything on paper. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. A, a lot of times we do these these podcasts and they they move all over the place. This this tool and your involvement in our business, I think, um, 
you know, and you know, but, but I'll say it like if somebody's going to do, if somebody's looking to get into culture index, my strong recommendation is to call Claudine because Claudine has been more than the person who provided us the tool. Every single time we have somebody on and, uh, you know, we get trained and I feel really good about the training we got, but I don't look at as many surveys as you do. John doesn't, uh, you know, Tracy doesn't, none of our people look at as many. So we're looking at something and we go, I'm just not getting it. I don't understand something. What do you think about this? It's a little atypical, but we still like the person. You've been a terrific partner to us to be able to come in and provide that really high level expert reading of some of these patterns. So um, just really appreciate your partnership with us as, as an organization. And that's been now for how many years? You'd six probably years. Know better. Yeah, almost six yeah. years. So, yeah. well, so Claudine, we have now talked about all of the things that are phenomenal about you and, and culture index, but it's not all rainbows and lollipops all the time, mm -hmm. right? Because you are in it. You're in, you're in a business, you're running a business, you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about some of the failures. Like how, uh, how is, how have you gone from starting out six years ago, pounding the phone where your husband takes a year off and has to support you more like <laughs> therapy, right? As you're building up your business. Yeah. And so like, what are some of the trials and tribulations that somebody who's listening to this, that might be in year two of their entrepreneurial efforts and they're going, Oh gosh, I don't know if I can stay with this. Um, and now you've gotten to the other side and are continuing to grow and progress. So t walk through that. What were some of the failures that you look back on and you go, you know what, damn it, I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, I, I just kept thinking in my head that, and I will tell you honestly, there were times that I had set dates where if I didn't get to this by this time, I need to look for something else. And every time that that date came, I had achieved that goal. So I would put like little goals in front of me and say, I am going, because there was no failure in doing what I, in, in doing this, there was going to be no failure. I was going to be able to figure this out. And we do have a high rate of, of failure because this is a very, very, it, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult sale. Well, it's a difficult sale, but the other thing is, and I hate to it's say shockingly this shockingly difficult sale, but been, clients have to buy in Jeff, I, but I just don't understand it. I mean, literally I know the people that I've referred you to and have watched the machinations that they go through to decide not to do move forward. Yeah. And they continue to make these same very mistake. strategic hiring mistakes. But well, the there are some people that are not capable of seeing the ROI. Even if I show them the ROI, they might, maybe it's not enough information. There are somebody, some people out there that are so skeptical and need so much information that are so risk averse that they can't make that By decision. By the way, that's got to be a hard sale for you when you see the obviousness of it and you're talking to somebody who's going, well, but I don't know paralysis by analysis. And I, absolutely, I, I think that that's when you see it, it seems like it must be obvious. How do you overcome that? Where you're going like, you know how obvious it is for this person. You're looking at them. You've done the surveys. You absolutely know there's a 10, 20, 30 X return on this investment for this person. And they can't see it. How do you, and maybe they never see it. How do you deal with that? Well, I just have to realize that I, I can't sell everybody. 
I just can't sell everybody. It's hard because I believe everybody needs us, of course, but I, I can't sell unless if, if I have somebody that I know that I can't sell who might not see the ROI on culture index, I have to find a ton of pain. And even sometimes when I find that pain, they it's still, enough. it's not By enough. The way, see, I, I think, I like I I think it's different. I think you can sell everybody. I think you can't consult everybody. And that's the difference. I think, I think there is such a strong argument for this with the amount of pain, the amount of Look, hiring in general is such a huge industry. Why? Because there's so many bad hires made. If everyone made the right hires, then the recruiting wouldn't be such a great, a huge field, right? People would be in the right roles. There'd be retention and people would stay. But the reality is that um, folks make this decision, uh, these decisions poorly on a regular basis, more than likely because the wrong person is hiring. Meaning if, if I'm an engineer, like if, I, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an engineer and I'm trying to hire a salesperson, and I'm doing the interview, probably not a good person to do the interview, right? right. I mean, because you're going to hire somebody that's a reflection of you. Right. Most people hire somebody that's a reflection of them. Who can they get along with? Well, if you're an engineer or an analytical personality, strong likelihood you don't get along with a type A, uh, you know, highly extroverted person. They might be a turnoff to you, but that's the person that you probably need right. to go promote your engineering firm. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of times when I, when I take a call with the CEO, I always, the goal is always to have them complete the survey before the call. And it's, and it's really to make the best use of their time because I can tell a CEO how great we are and how I can solve all of their problems. But if they can't back it up to data mm -hmm. analytics, then it's just, it's, it's just noise. a bunch of talk and a bunch of noise. Yeah. So the goal is always for me to complete, have them complete that survey prior to the call, because then I know how to modify myself. I yeah. use this program every single for yourself, call, every single yeah. day, because again, I'm a very social person. I can be an in your face person, but if I'm speaking to somebody who's not like that, I don't want to be overwhelming to that person and say, I don't want that Claudine person calling me because she doesn't shut up. Well, it's interesting to that point, because if you have really good partnership type clients, like let's say that you're not one of those businesses that's transactional, right? Or like a subscription, but if you have like partners, like we, like club colors does where you're interacting with them on a regular basis and there's a lengthy partnership. Some of our clients we've sent the culture index to because Why then you not? actually know who, how to interact with them because it's not just for managers. It's just to understand how to connect with people so that you're on the right level. It, absolutely. When I used to work for our family business, I would have nephrologists and cardiologists saying, I'm going to send my patients your way. And I'm like, are you really? So I would send them a survey and I would just say, you know, preface it by saying, this is going to help me communicate effectively with you in a way you need to be. And so when they completed that, I'm like, okay, you know, yes, they are going to send patients my way because they believe in our quality of care. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely did that. And I always tell my clients, if you have relationships with vendors and partner companies like you do, absolutely yeah. survey them. Because yeah. we don't, you know, Culture Index, we don't charge by the survey. There's a lot of companies out there that, that, and, and, and what's funny on a side note is I love calling on an organization that is using something else. I love it. Mm -hmm. And you might say, why do you love it? Because they're using something else. Well, they're I, already bought into the concept, right? So that's are, exactly, they already believe right. so that the people, a, right. They just don't know what else is out there and what, what, what else better is. And out showing there. that perhaps that you're a better co contact, the data sets are better, whatever it might exactly. be, but they're already bought into the, yeah. and that's, so you had said, is that some of the failures that you've had some of those clients that have so much pain Yep. You know that the return on investment for them is going to be justified 10x, yep. right? But you just can't get them over the hump. Yep. 
That's the big frustration. That is. That so is what's the, the follow-up process on that? With those same companies? Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you uh, follow up or do you, you, know you kind of go usually, on to the next one? You know, again, I've been doing this for six years and, and I still am growing my business all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I, if I found the pain and they're still not seeing it, I might circle back or I might, I might do a little research. And, and if they keep looking, if I keep seeing ads and they're looking for the same positions mm -hmm. over and over and over, I might soft touch them a little bit in an email, say, Hey, you know, hope you're doing well. I see you're looking for another operations manager. You know, again, our data, we can help you with that. And, um, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's funny. Or just circling back one more time to see if there's continued interest in exploring fit. Yeah. yeah I, I do a lot of referral calls for you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, and by the way, it's not for you. Oh, I was, I was, <laughs> it, no, it, it's not because what I, and I, I we were talking Remember about that attribute. Yeah, we, we were, I don't know. This is, this is better than that. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'll refer you to our partners, our business, the folks that we're partnering with, um, because I can see that the folks that we're working with on their team you know. aren't in the right, but aren't in the right seat. They don't have the right folks doing the right things. And there, there's a mismatch between the characteristics and the humans. And so I'm like, I need you to take a look at this yeah. because I need better representation. So the, the solutions that that company yeah, provides right. are fantastic, but the person you're interacting yeah, with I just, might not be, might be a hindrance. I need you to, I need you to understand how this person is operating and I can't explain it to you, but yeah, she can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, sh quick example. I have a client that uses a company for a, vir a virtual assistant and his virtual assistant that he's had for, I don't know, five years is, is getting a different job. And he reached out to me recently and said, um, you need to be working with this organization because I surveyed, he's a client of mine, I surveyed this candidate that they want me to work with and it's going to be a train wreck. I go, okay, well, send me the survey. And it was the complete opposite of what he needed in the role. Yeah. And it would have been a train wreck. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's so easy to spot that. Um, um, what else? I was going to answer your question. Any, any um, I was thinking of trials, tribulations, trials and tribulations, things that, things that you look back on and you think to yourself, boy, that was, a, and we think of failure as learning, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's just, you didn't, you didn't get there as fast as you'd like. It doesn't yeah. mean that you're not going to, but it's something that helps you to learn so that you do it the next time. So we shouldn't beat ourselves up about failure, but I think it's good to walk back a second and think about like, what are some of the things that you failed at that you learn from that you now have turned 180 and now you're, you're growing because of it. Well, well, first off, I still have this thought in my head. Like, I, I hope I'm making it right. I mean, I've been doing this for six years and it shouldn't really be like that because I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than what I'm doing right now. But I still have that like, but sometimes even now I'll say, I'll have a conversation with somebody and be like, Oh, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go or, yeah. or a prospect that didn't, I didn't uncover enough pain. I didn't ask the right questions, like little things like that. Mm -hmm. I had so to do it I, differently. We do a little bit and I don't do it mostly. John does it mostly, but a lot of times <laughs> I, on the podcast, one of the things I like about it is that a lot of times we're talking about things that are not work related. Right. So there's just more character, your own personal experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to rephrase John's question and maybe change the direction of the conversation a little bit. Let's go. What's Great. your, I, we shouldn't start with this. Um, what's a, what's a painful or difficult like failure that you experience? It doesn't have to be related to culture index or any of this stuff. Like uh, how do you, 
I found, and I think a lot of the folks that we've talked to here um, have an experience where their greatest growth opportunities came from some of their most painful opportunities, mm-hmm. right? The, or their most painful experiences in terms of professional growth, um, a failure where you just you just miffed it. Like it you just completely yeah. <laughs> like missed the ball and it was humiliating and right. whatever. Or like, the ball hit you. Yeah. <laughs> but it, so In let's get into some of those things yeah. that are a little bit like more like core to who we are. Yeah. So to be honest with you, I have always tried to be the best at whatever I set out to be. And if I couldn't be the best, I just stopped doing it. And that's bad, kind of, because it's like, again, I don't have to be the best. I have to be my best. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm raising my children. Like, you don't have to be the best, but be your best. And I'm very hard on myself. So a lot of times, I think think what I personally do is I I care about what people think of me more than I wish I did. And so I think sometimes that hinders me from some successes. But if I had to think about some big failure in life, I... I can think of By the way, I, that's a whole other podcast for me. I've just got a long, such a long. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're all three persuader no. personalities, though. Yeah. Right? So there's so there's one thing. So I work with an equity firm, and I work with the majority of their portfolio companies. And because I'm a very impatient extrovert, you know, it is my way to. I'm a verbal processor, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think of something, I, I want to say it right away. And one of the things that I, and it's not even a failure, but one of the things that I've worked on and I have worked on, continue to work on is interrupting people. And so I, I, I think back to the last conversation with, I had with uh, the managing partner of, of my equity firm, I interrupted the guy twice and he probably doesn't even care, but I think back to that and I'm like, yeah. Damn. so what I do, it's not a failure, but just how I overcome that. I always keep something hot when I'm having a, a, a on a call, whether it's coffee, whether it's water or whatever. And I will ask a question. And then will, burn your tongue. Yeah, and then I will take a drink to let them yeah. answer. Yeah. Because as a child, I I've talked too much my whole life. I'm so I'm trying to work on that. But so giving yourself a giving those folks. So you're saying like giving yourself really a mouth blister is what keeps you from interrupting? Is that what you're saying? Because I can't talk. It's really interesting to me because. Again, with somebody with as much personality as you have, right, and you have a ton of it, um, I do as well. And it's caused me, it's run me into so many walls that I, like, I, so it's it's interesting to me. You've got some some control over that that uh, is pretty pretty beneficial. So, um, Claudia, yeah. let, let me ask you something. I'm, I'm a big believer personally that um, we should, as humans and as, teams, any team that we're on, invest in our strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know too much about the patterns and the different components. So Great you'll, maker. You'll, well, he's, he's a... He, <laughs> Did you look at G's pattern before? Well, I no, I just oh. remember. He's, a new, he's yep. a new manager, so he'll be learning about it soon, right? Okay. You'll, you'll have to break down some pieces I for will. me a little bit. But um, I guess, you know, I'll use me as an example okay. since you, you, you know mine. Um, I, I believe I have a high A, which means high autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty high B socially, um, but I have low detail, right? Yep. So one of the things that I do to offset that a little bit is in the morning, I spend 20 minutes creating a power list, seven to 10, ten things that need to get done today. Um, and those, and also scheduling my whole day from a life perspective and then also scheduling my day from a work perspective. 
And, and so what I'm trying to figure out is as an individual and from a team level, how much time should be spent in investing on those strengths and how much time should be um, spent investing in those weaknesses, I guess. Well, I well, first off, kudos to you for recognizing that your job as it is today needs detail, needs follow through because you're the type of guy that throws a bunch of things against the wall and you hope something sticks. Well, understanding who your team is and that'll, and the workshop will, that's a plug. We need to do a workshop. Um, the workshop will help you understand who your audience is and what they need from you as a manager. Because if you just tell everybody something and you tell them what to do and you have no follow through or follow up, then you will set the tone forever with your team. Because now when you come in and say, Hey, I need this by this time, they know you're not going to follow up. So they're not going to do it. And that is going to make your job harder. Okay. So understanding number one, that you're aware of the fact that you need to put something in place to keep you from forgetting those things, the things falling through the cracks, because it's not an if it is a when you, ha- a- you have to remember this, that, that you, even with what you put in place and you have your to-do list in place, even doing that, things are going to fall through the cracks. Okay. But I believe with your pattern that you can pay attention to the details as long as it drives that vision, that goal forward. Your, your role now does require an How well do you remember his pattern? Can you draw it for me? You know, I'm not sure where, where his arrow is, but uh, doesn't, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so, you know, so the autonomy in other is words, the right hand side. He's got to put, he's got to keep his eye on the prize as to what the end goal is and that big thing, but he's got to manage the journey. He's well, got to manage the steps. Well, and it also, it also yeah. depends on who you are managing and you know, what, what is your team expected to do and what do they look like? I, I mean, I, even for him though, for yeah. him, for his own goal setting, he's got to manage his steps. I yep. think there's, I, I think I there's do the same thing. I think there's a component here. And by the way, this is a little bit anecdotal, but you'll, you'll, evaluate whether or not there's some truth to it. Um, because you're a driver, you say something and you think that's enough, mm-hmm. like it's it's done. And not everybody on your team is going to get that. So you say it, you think it's done. The follow through is the ability to go, they probably didn't get it the first time I said it. They're probably not going to do it. They might not have even believed me. Right? You or even that. better, even better, get them to say it. Well, and that's the, what I, and, and, and on yeah. that same note, a lot of times, like you have the ability to see the surveys for your team. So you should go into a meeting as well as, as much as I do. When I go into a workshop, I already know everybody's surveys in the workshop beforehand. So I know how to modify myself to make sure that everybody in that workshop, in that space, in that meeting is going to get what I'm giving. And so a lot of times I'll have managers say, well, I'm okay with them coming to me after the fact. I'm like, okay. Well, you oversee five people right now. Well, the goal is for you to oversee 50 people. How are you going to do that in the future? Because that is going to make a manager less productive when they have these people that didn't see what you see when you said it in the meeting. So one of the things that I would tell you to do when you're in a meeting, and and I'll ask you a question actually, um, before I tell you what to do, is how many times in a meeting do you say to your team, whether it's it's on a webinar or Zoom or in person, does anybody have any questions? I do not at all. You don't. No. So how do you how do you make sure that everybody has what you're? I do. I treat them the same way that I do my clients. I select them and ask them the who, what, when, where, why. I get them to 
give me that feedback. And that's that's, something that I learned here. That's really great because a lot of managers, they, they, that's what they say. They say, so that's awesome hearing that. Nobody's going to answer. Do you have any questions? They're going to put themselves out there. They're going to say, no, never ask a yes or no answer question when you want feedback. Yeah. You never say, does anybody have any questions? Because there are certain traits that will prevent somebody from speaking up. There's a trait that we measured that, that, that people don't, they don't, they don't want to be seen in a bad light. They don't want to look dumb mm-hmm. or they don't want to be perceived as being stupid. So they don't say anything. There's somebody that doesn't answer, that doesn't say anything because they don't have enough information. So and there's other people who think you're not talking to them. Exactly. Like, that's what I love is if like you have 10 people in the meeting, and you're like, Hey, we're, so we're going to get this across. What do you think we should do here? We're trying to be collaborative right over. And then you go into, okay, so collectively, this is the mission. I think we're going to go this route. You do this, you do this. You're kind of getting everyone on board. And then there's people in the room who are like, well, he didn't mean me. I'm, I'm up 50%. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I meant yeah. you, man. No, yeah. I meant all of you. But I meant like, everybody. Me too. What I'm, when I talk to my clients and, and managers and before they end a meeting, not saying, does anybody have any questions? Cause you said, yes or no answer. I mean, it's crickets. Nobody's going to answer. So I always tell my, my managers that I'm training is saying, you know, Jeff, what did you hear? Giancarlo, what did you hear? What's your next steps? I like, I like of what we just talked about, what resonated with you the most. Mm -hmm. Right. And so by the way, I like, I like what is everyone going to do? Right. Okay. So what are you going to do? What, what's your action plan based on what What we own? What are you going to do? Well, and I'll, I'll preface it. You know, sometimes I, that high A that you have, that high A oversimplifies things that could need clarity because in your mind, it's clear as water, but in other people's minds, they just need more information. So just be conscious of that and looking at the people that you have in front of you and modifying yourself. To By the way, I'll detail. get, I, I literally don't. said to Adam last week, Adam, in my head, it's clear as day. <laughs> yep. Why can't I? And that's one of the yep. things when I'm, when I'm talking to a prospect that has a very, very high autonomous uh, autonomy, I'll say, you know, how many times do you have a conversation and you think you're su- super clear and it's not, or if I have a very impatient CEO on the line, I'll say slow people and things frustrate you. You know, nobody's ever going to keep up with you. And they're like, chuckle because they're like, how did you get that from two, you know, seven minutes? Yeah. So by the way, I started out my career oddly enough as an accountant and I am not a highly detail oriented human being. It's not that low. Um, it's below the line. <laughs> it's what? below the line. Yeah. Um, it, it's, and so I have much more of a sales pattern than, uh, than it's an a accountant persuader pattern. personality as an yeah. accountant. Um, I, by the way, am I a perssuader? Is yeah. that, yeah. that you're a persuader? Right. We have the same personality Andy's type. Stack. Yours is just closer uh, my, together. I, I have Mine higher, is way uh, extended. By the way, the further that they are extended, the more uh, pronounced it is. So shocking. I've taken two surveys. Sometimes I remember the second one over the other one, but uh, because I didn't really believe you. And that's not because he has multiple I, personalities. I didn't either, really by the believe way. you when we took the first survey. So I was never confident like because I was just like, all right, whatever. I'll do the survey. Then I just kind of click everything really fast. But in any case, I did recognize when I was young that I'm not a very good accountant because I, I like, I just didn't have the focus on the detail. And so what I did was to set up checks and balances to ensure that I would manage the details enough. I said, I, I spent the first 10 years of my career on the verge of a pink slip or a promotion because I was always pushing the envelope. I was always doing something 
that if it worked, I was going to get promoted. And if it didn't work, I was going to get fired. Risk oriented. And mm-hmm. so I, I had to set up a bunch of things around myself because I identified your, my bank accounts would overdraft. I like, like I would just make all these dumb mistakes on the low end, but in the same time I'm solving problems. Nobody else in the business is solving. So if I can keep get, if I can keep doing that, but you've got to set up, once you identify what your weaknesses are and, um, you have to be good enough in those areas that they won't torpedo your strengths. And that's really, well, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, you know, I tried to avoid the word, the words strengths and weaknesses. Like I believe we are all born with a set of traits Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's how, how we use those traits that we were born with. If you're an accountant and you're low detail, I'm going to tell you it's a weakness. weakness. (laughs) So it's, so what is it? A bad, it's just a bad trait. (laughs) How you manage them on a day-to-day basis is what you're saying though. Yeah. We're born with a set of traits. I mean, I just had a conversation earlier with a client and she sends me this survey and says, this is the position. And I said, I, I know the position. Well, it's been a long-term client of mine. And I said, you know, you really need to think about hiring somebody that has to become somebody different every single day they walk into the office. Yeah. And is that fair to you as the manager? And is it fair to that By the way, person? To, those, to those of, I understand what you just said, but I think most of the, if, if somebody's watching, they're not going to. When you have somebody in a role where their traits, where their, their natural built-in traits are different, substantially different than the what the role necessarily, entails, ne- necessarily necessary traits for that role, mm-hmm. that person has to overly modify every right. day in order to accomplish. So they're having an out-of-body experience yeah. in order to be successful, and they're going to burn out. We are who we are since again, thirteen years old. We are who we are from an early, early time in our childhood, and. It's okay to be different. I mean, I get calls on a regular basis from CEOs saying, my son's going to college. What should he major in? Mm-hmm. And I say, what does your son want to do? So we don't want to ever use this information to say somebody can't do something, but but this is what the role requires. I have found really interestingly, I, I and I think this is right. I don't know what your experience is with this. Um, it's how you do a job. It's not whether or not you can do a job. It is how do That's you true. approach that job, right? So we've, we have, and we have these atypical patterns, both on the admin side and on the sales not side. Some time. of our most, but two of our most successful employees. I can think of one. And have patterns that today we would, wouldn't even get an interview, right? Yep. And so, but they have approached the job differently with a character and a work ethic that have allowed them to be immensely successful. And that's what I meant earlier about those outside factors, like that parallel, yeah. that, like there's, there's something in there that you can't measure. And that, that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah. So, so that one person you're talking about in particular, I think there's out, there's, there's things outside what we're measuring that is causing them to say, this is what I want to do. And so they're making those modifications. I mean, I know somebody that had, you know, didn't like his pattern and he's like, I I don't understand this. I've started six, six organizations myself Mm -hmm. and I was very successful. And I, and I said one question I said, so when you were building your business and when you were getting customers, how tough was that for you to ask for the opportunity? He's Mm -hmm. like, you got me. He's like, I didn't like that. Because yeah. he could, but if you've got the dedication, the business, but he just wanted he to could manage the business, yeah. but asking for the order, I'm not going to say somebody, so anybody who wants to be whatever they want to be can do it. 
Yeah. But 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 they're going to have to manage when they go home. It's a how manage and how mo- yeah. how much do they're they gonna, have to modify? They're going to have to manage their role. drinking problem at and the then, end of the and night. Then what do they have left for? Like <laughs> do you afterwards delegate? for the yeah. family? Yeah. Do you Sorry? delegate that then? The person you in can, your partnership when you can, when you can. And by the way, this is really, really, really important. There was a period of time in which I had to be detail oriented enough to do the job that I was assigned, that I was getting paid to do. And it didn't matter how many hours I worked. It didn't matter what I had to do. That was the requirement of that job. And then I identified that I'm not that strong there. So I'm going to build my career in a different way so that I can be a problem solver, so that I can be a thinker instead of a transactional, right? Monitoring or, that stuff. Yeah. or we will take, we will surround him with people that he needs yeah. to But they wouldn't him. when I was yeah. a, when I was a when 27 you're, year old. Yeah. Right. I, I'm a 27 year old accountant. Right. Nobody's going to surround me. They're just going to go, let's hire another I, accountant. I, and, and exactly. <laughs> exactly. What I have to do is be good enough at the things that are atypical for me, that are outside of my pattern. And then I have to find, and nobody will come to me. And by the way, this is this is real stuff. Nobody, no manager will go. I identified your skill. Maybe, maybe every so often that'll happen. I've identified your skill, and here's a bunch of stuff that matches it. The way you get stuff that matches your skill is to understand your own skill, your own nature, and then to go seek those things out, mm-hmm. to pursue them aggressively as uh, as a young person, to be able to say. I'm going to build my career on my ability to do this thing, which I'm exceptional at. So Jeff, that's fantastic advice. Claudine, what's the best advice that you've been given? It's a good question. Oh, one thing that this is just something small was just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, there's times like my mentor. What did that mean to you? Like, uh, how did, how did you take that? I mean, there's a lot of ways that that well, there's could, a lot of times where you're like, okay, nobody's picking up the phone. Like I go back to six years ago. I'm like, nobody's picking up the phone. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to me. I would start at 7am. Like I would be dressed. And so in the context of like, hold the line, Yes, cold calling, Stay and the I, course. Was, I was making the calls. I was, you know, sometimes leaving messages, sometimes not leaving messages. Like I, I was dying for people to answer my phone. And I'm like, I have something that you need. Just pick up the phone. And I would talk to my mentor once a week once a week. And he's like, you need to do everything I tell you to do until you make X amount of money every. And so I thought about that. I'm like, everyone at club colors who's listening to this podcast, please. (laughs) So I, so I, so I am somebody that does not like to be told what to do. So I was Mm -hmm. like, he's telling me that I have to do everything. He tells me what to do until I make this month, this amount Mm -hmm. of money. And so I, I, that was kind of like that, that goal. Like, I don't like to be told what to do. So I'm going to just do my own thing. Um, but he just kept saying he, he would, I'm the type of person that, you know, I needed to be built up. I needed, I was Humpty Dumpty mm-hmm. and I fallen off that, that, that wall. And there were times where I needed to be put back together. And those, that, that same comment was just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing everything right. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. Stay the course. It's a marathon. So that you didn't have those wins. So you weren't inclined to want to change or modify because you weren't getting the result. So they, this person, this mentor could see that if you continued on that journey, took those steps with the, with the, veracity that you were going at it, that it was eventually going to play out the way that you wanted. But you're an impatient person. Yeah, he saw it before I did. He was impatient, but you're impatient. Exactly. So you're managing the steps, doing the things, and there's well, this guy saying, hey, no, 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 I think the we course. learned earlier, she also isn't very familiar with failure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. All right, so let me ask you this question. What's the best advice that you would give? To who? That's yours. So, oh, anybody so let's life. say we so like you've young got, people here. Like you've got 18 year old twins, yeah. right? They're set out on now they're adults. 
They're going to go off to school and they're probably going to have go to too many parties and not go to class on time and all these things. Sorry, mom, but that's probably what's going to happen. And then eventually they're going to, they're going to kick it in and they're going to determine that they want to have this amazing career. What advice are you giving to the younger generation to, to create success for themselves? You know, if you go into a career just for the money, you're going to, you're not going to make it. I, I am so passionate about wanting my children to find whatever passion, like whatever they love to doing and just and love to do and just invest in that. And, you know, the money will come, yep. you know, so find something that you love to do day in and day out. It's like, it's a cliche, but it's that you don't work a day in your life. If you wake up every day and you love what you do and you're passionate about that, the money, if you seek that will come. I love it. So um, how do folks get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me. Uh, my email address is C Saxon, S is in Sam, A-X-O-N at cultureindex.com. Absolutely outstanding. We are going to put all of that in the description. And Jeff, thank you so much for being on Thanks, again today. Guys. We appreciate it. G, thank you so much. Hey, G, hit it. Claudine, you've been in the club. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for tuning in. In the Club Powered by Club Colors. We're excited to launch this probably in a couple weeks, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. Again, we're on Spotify, Apple, and our YouTube channel. you got to check us out. All the information will be in the description so that you can check us out and understand how you can communicate with Club Colors. Why, G? Because we can put a logo on anything you can think of. Anything. anything you can think of. Brand management, premium service. We are the solution, and we hope you can be your solution soon. Cheers. Cheers.